step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, Three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power and a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super uber-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, Productivity is never an accident. It is always the result of a commitment to excellence, intelligent planning, and focused effort. And that's from Paul J. Meyer. The title of today's show is No Time to Waste, Productivity Hacks to Make You Super Efficient. Because that's what it's about. It's not about being busy. It's about being productive and efficient. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. You could also find me on iTunes to search in the podcast section for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is The Real Mark Star, all right? On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. To get my daily messages every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. And if you haven't downloaded my book yet, you can download it for absolutely free. No strings attached at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, we have an absolutely amazing show today, so let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Marie Gray. Now, Marie was born in Yugoslavia and grew up during World War II. Her dad sent Marie, her mother, and her sister to a farm in the country to be away from the city bombings, and he went to Austria to make arrangements for their family to move there. With the war ending, her father was unable to get back to Yugoslavia. Marie's mother wanted to escape Yugoslavia badly to reunite with her father. In 1945, when Marie was nine, her mother paid a man to take her across the border to Austria, but they got caught. The man was arrested and Marie was released. Marie, her mother, and her sister tried again several days later, but they couldn't find anyone to take all three of them across the border. Now, her mother ended up paying another man to take her across, but the man only took Marie part of the way. He told her to stay on the road until she came to the house at the top of the mountain. Can you imagine this? A nine-year-old child, a nine-year-old child trying to escape the country, all right? And this man wouldn't even take her the entire way. He then took her part of the way, and then he said, you got to just go straight. (laughs) Can you imagine how terrified that nine-year-old was? Now, he told her to stay on the road until she came to the house at the top of the mountain. Marie only saw one house and she began to run towards it. It was getting dark and she was scared. I imagine she was. She could hear loud voices and gunshots. Remember, she was only nine years old trying to escape a country essentially by herself. 
Fortunately for her, her father was in the house waiting for her. Her mother and younger sister eventually would make it across the border a few months later. Back then, Marie had only two dresses to wear to school, and the dresses got shorter and shorter as she got taller and taller. Now, this made Marie feel out of place, and she really desired to have clothes that fit and were appropriate. Having a limited wardrobe, Marie always dreamed of having nice clothes. Now, a few years later, her family left Austria and immigrated to Canada where her father worked in the hotel restaurant business. In 1955, her father got an offer to manage a restaurant in Los Angeles, so they moved to California. When Marie got to California, she worked on a TV show and also modeled for some designers. Now, Marie's maiden name was Marie Herman, which she didn't think was glamorous. She felt that because she was in show business, she needed to have a glamorous name. So she changed her name to Marie St. John when she became a naturalized U.S. citizen. A year after she got to California, she would meet Bob, a nice man who would eventually become her husband when interviewing for a modeling job. Marie always had a passion for clothing as she spent all the money that she made on shoes and clothes. Now, when Marie and her future husband, Bob, got engaged, she decided that she had to curb her spending. Although she didn't like the sewing or knitting, she figured that she could take the knitting with her and knit whenever she had spare time. Marie started to make her own knit dresses. It took her a month to make her first dress. She then bought a knitting machine, figuring that she could make her own wardrobe. After she made her own dress, all of her model friends who were snobbish and could afford to wear all the designers they wanted, wanted one of Marie's dresses. Once she realized that there was a demand for her dresses, she pestered her fiancé Bob to show her dress to buyers. Her plan was to make a few dresses so they could pay for their honeymoon in Hawaii. Bob thought that she was crazy, so he took it to the one person that he thought would say no. She was a buyer at a department store in L.A., she asked, what's the name of the company that made this dress? He blurted out Marie's new last name, St. John, and this was the birth of her clothing label. The buyer placed an order, and now Bob got excited. He took the dress to others, and he got more orders. Marie's vision was to price the dresses very high because they were handmade treasures. Bob had other plans. He envisioned a commercial venture and priced them very low. He sold 84 dresses that first day. Now, when he told Marie, she burst into tears because she had no idea of how she would make all of the dresses. Bob decided to run an ad for a knitter, and they ended up getting a professional knitter along with Marie's mother and Bob's mother. Both of their moms worked without pay. They rented a small shop in North Hollywood, and their business was born. Now, they borrowed $5,000 from their parents and some money from a friend. During their first year, they had $86,000 in sales. Now remember, all her intention was was to start a business so she could make enough money to go on a honeymoon when she got married. Their first year, she made $86,000. Bob handled all of the business negotiations, sales, and marketing. Marie did the design and took care of the product and quality. By 1964, their annual revenue was $450,000 a year, which is the equivalent of $3.5 million in 2017. Now, although they had huge sales, the company still struggled over the first 10 years. Lots of mistakes happen when making handmade knitted garments. Marie wanted to make clothes that were flattering, that made a woman feel strong, powerful, and feminine. 
The company continued to grow and their national distribution grew to include stores like Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, and Nordstrom's. By 1973, sales reached $2.6 million, which would be the equivalent of almost $15 million in 2017. Now, over the years, the company continued to flourish. In 1993, the annual revenue was over $100 million a year. And I remind you, this is just a business that she started because she decided that she wanted to save a few dollars on clothes since she was getting married. Now they have a business that's making over $100 million a year. Now, St. John's grew to become one of the elite brands in women's fashion. In one year, three first ladies wore their clothes. Hillary Rodham Clinton, Sherry Blair, that's the wife of Tony Blair, who was then the prime minister of the UK, and Sashi Suzuki, who was the wife of the prime minister of Japan. Their customers also included women in public office, newscasters, and celebrities like Reba McIntyre and Paris Hilton. In 2012, Bob passed away after a long illness, and Marie has since sold most of her remaining shares in the company. Marie is still on the board of St. John and still owns some company stock. Although Marie no longer owns the majority of the company, she still helps direct the company, and she has also founded a new fashion line called Grace with her daughter. Marie has helped to build something special as her company still makes clothes that women desire after 50 long years. So let's now take a look at some of Marie's advice. Number one, never disappoint the customer. In the beginning, Marie would repair things that happened to a customer's one-of-a-kind St. John. If a customer spilled wine on a white outfit, she might write to say, could you please save my St. John? And Marie would offer to re-dye it black. Number two, make sure your quality is the best. A customer might never see an imperfection, but Marie would see it and often remade the dress. It's costly, but Marie would feel like she cheated her if she didn't give her customer a perfect garment. And number three, treat your employees with dignity and respect. Now, at their plant in Mexico, they had a doctor on call for all of their employees who could also bring their kids in on Saturdays to see him. It made a big difference in their work. Profile number two, Timothy Sykes. Now, Timothy was born in 1981 in Connecticut. In 1999, at the age of 18, while attending high school, he used $12,415 of his bar mitzvah gift money and began trading penny stocks. In less than three years, Timothy turned that $12,000 into $1.65 million when he was around 21 years old while in college at Tulane University. Did you hear what I said? This man turned $12,000 into $1.65 million in three years. Now, Timothy would cut class to day trade, and during his senior year, he founded Cilantro Fund Management, which is a hedge fund using $1 million from investors that included his friends and family. In 2007, Timothy started a blog to promote his book, An American Hedge Fund. 
Through his blog, instructional newsletters, and video lessons, Timothy has coached two of his students to earn over $1 million, including one that turned $1,500 into over $1 million in three years. Let's now take a look at Timothy's top rules for success. This guy obviously knows something about success because not only was he able to become a millionaire, he was able to train two other people to do the same thing as well. Number one, study the past. Timothy says that both he and his students studied the stock market. He says that the key to success in the stock market isn't just trading hot picks or breaking news. It's studying the past, seeing what worked before, because then you can be better prepared for the present and you can get wealthier in the future. Number two, keep an open mind. Timothy says that life is all about exploring and growing your brain and your knowledge and experience. Be open to new experiences because these new experiences and knowledge can open you to new opportunities. Number three, use everything. Timothy says that you can learn and make money from anywhere in the world. Please believe that. We are in a unique time in history where we have the internet that allows us to do things that weren't possible a few decades before. Take advantage of it. Use all the resources you have to get you to where you desire to be. That's a phenomenal thing about this world. There are people that are making millions of dollars a year laying on the beach, working from the beach. You don't have to be in any one particular place. You can make money from anywhere in the world. And please believe me, people are out there doing it. People are out there enjoying their lives, making tons and tons of money. You do not have to sit at a cubicle or a desk until you're 65 anymore. You can make money from anywhere in the world. You just got to figure out how to do it. Number four, get yourself out there. Use social media to get your name out there or to get your business exposed to millions upon millions of people. If you're an expert in anything, you can make a lot of money sharing your expertise with the world. You don't have to just be a doctor or a lawyer to make a lot of money. There's someone in the world or sometimes many people all over the world that would be willing to pay to learn some of what you know. Every single one of us is probably an expert at something, but probably because we're expert at it, we just kind of discount it. Figure out whatever it is that you are really, really great at or better than the majority of the population at and then figure out how you can share that with the world because I can promise you this. Somebody out there wants to know it and somebody out there is willing to pay you to learn what it is that you know. And then you could be on the beach with Timothy enjoying the world, making money from the beach if that's what you desire to do. Number five, don't just take the traditional route. Now, a lot of old-fashioned thinking people think that success can only be achieved by traveling down a very narrow hallway. Success can come from anywhere, not just the traditional routes. Today, we have more people getting up and doing what they want to do and making more money at it than any time before in history. Gone are the days when it was thought to be impossible for someone to make a lot of money doing what they enjoyed. One day, it will be the standard, all right? You don't have to sit there and do what you don't want to do for the rest of your life just to make money, just like what I said before. You can make money from anywhere doing anything, all right? Number six, focus on what you love. Learn what you love and focus on it. 
Don't spend your life working for someone else's dream because no matter how much money you make or how successful you are, you will never be happy because you're not focusing on yourself. Number seven, study, study, study. Study a whole multitude of subjects so that you can see what you're really interested in. That's how you know what you're interested in. Don't be afraid to go out there and just study and learn about a bunch of different things because then you can figure out what it is that you like to do. And once you figure out what you like to do, then you go out there and because you've studied it and you know it inside out, you can go do it. Number eight, respect the journey. Focus on your long-term goals. We live in a world of instant gratification where everyone wants everything now. Not even now, they want everything right now. They want money now. They want fame now. They want success now. Now, if you want true success, it's not going to take days, weeks, or months. It's going to take years and possibly decades to have great lasting success. It is a journey. Hear what I'm saying? Let me repeat that. Now, if you want true success, it's not going to take you days, weeks, or months. It's going to take you years and possibly decades to have great lasting success. It is a journey. You're going to have ups and downs and you have to respect your entire journey. It's not just about where you end up. It's about the entire experience. Number nine, do not be afraid to fail. Now, Timothy says, do not be afraid to make mistakes or to fail. Timothy says that some of his biggest losses have helped to mold him into a better trader and a better teacher. The lessons that we learn from our losses and take into the future help us to become better. Don't ignore these lessons. Don't just sweep them underneath the rug. I'm going to tell you, that is so absolutely true. All the biggest lessons, all the greatest lessons I've learned have also caused me the most amount of pain. And the worst thing that you can do is sweep them underneath the rug. You need to take those lessons, learn what you can from them, and then use it to improve not only yourself, but use it to help improve others. Number 10, hustle. The key to being successful is working harder than other people. Everyone wants to be successful. Everyone wants the Lamborghini. Everyone wants the big house. Everyone wants the freedom. But what are you willing to do to get it? What are you willing to do to get it? That's the question that you should be asking yourself. All right. Now, there's only so much time in a day, a week, a month, a year, or even a life. Our ability to work quickly and efficiently within that time can boost the results that we have. Many people confuse being productive with being busy. Let's now take a look at some of the differences between a busy person and a productive person. Number one, a busy person loves multitasking. A productive person focuses on one task at a time. Number two, a busy person keeps talking about how busy they are. A productive person lets the results speak for themselves. Number three, a busy person has several priorities. A productive person has a couple of priorities. Number four, a busy person works for their boss and a productive person works for themselves. And here's how you work for yourself. Even if you have a job, you're making sure that you're giving your best effort so you can learn all that you can learn. So when it's your time to get out there and to do what it is that you're called to do, you would have learned every possible thing that you could have learned in your present job. Then you're not working for the boss. You are really working for yourself. 
Number five, a busy person responds yes to everything at once. A productive person thinks twice before accepting requests. They make sure they don't take on too much. Number six, a busy person tries to please their critics. A productive person works to please their clients. Number seven, a busy person replies to emails at once. A productive person takes their time and replies with care. Number eight, a busy person fills times with tasks rather than prioritizing results. A productive person figures out how to spend less time on getting more done. Number nine, a busy person works without systems or ways of tracking progress. A productive person uses systems to get to their goals and accomplishments. Number 10, a busy person tackles tasks at random without prioritizing by importance or urgency. A productive person works on the most important things first. Number 11, a busy person spends a lot of time on things that don't matter. A productive person is selective with the use of time and resources. And number 12, a busy person equates doing with accomplishing. A productive person chooses the most direct path to accomplishing results while doing less. Now, it's no secret that the most successful entrepreneurs have mastered strategies that help them to utilize their time and thus their life more efficiently. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. The only difference is in how we use this time. Let's now take a look at some of the strategies that some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs use to maximize their day and their life. Number one, have no meeting Wednesdays. Dustin Moskowitz, co-founder of Facebook, clears his schedule every Wednesday. He says that this ensures that he has time to work on special projects. So set aside one day that you're not going to meet with anyone, you're not going to talk with anyone, and you are going to completely focus on whatever it is that you need to be doing. Number two, use mind maps. Mind maps are an organizational technique that is like a web of to-do lists. They are diagrams used to visually organize information. They are one of the best ways to capture your thoughts and bring them to life in visual form. Many successful entrepreneurs use these to unlock the full potential of their brains. There are plenty of free mind mapping online software and apps that are out there. Just Google the term mind maps and you will find them. Trust me, mind maps are amazing. Number three, the Pomodoro Technique. Now, Pomodoro is Italian for tomato, and it refers to the tomato-shaped cooking timer that Francis Cirillo used as a college student. This technique that was popularized in the late 1980s consists of breaking work down into 25-minute bursts of intense work, followed by a five-minute break, in which you can relax by kicking back or giving in to a distraction such as social media. The key to this, though, is to make sure that you only use five minutes for that distraction or for kicking back, and you jump right back in to doing whatever it was that you were doing before. Number four. Arrange your task on a Kanban board. Now, a Kanban board is a simple way to visualize your work progress. It consists of columns that represent the stages of a project with individual tasks listed on a note that is moved from one column to the next. You can use a whiteboard and post-it notes as some teams do, or you can organize your individual boards on a site like KanbanFlow.com. That's K-A-N-B-A-N-F-L-O-W.com. Essentially, let me explain to you how this works. You would have four columns. The first column says to do. 
The second column says due today. The third column says in progress. And the fourth column says done. Now every task would start on to do. And as you make progress on each task, you would move them to the next column until they get to done. Number five, outsource small time consuming projects. Now as a small entrepreneur, you may have a lot on your plate and you may not always have the manpower to help, but there are plenty of online resources that offer workers that you can hire to take on small tasks such as upwork.com that's u-p-w-o-r-k.com fiverr.com f-i-v-e-r-r.com or freelancer.com now one of the biggest mistakes that i see people make is that they decide okay i'm going to go into business for myself i need business cards so they spend about three or four months learning how to do business cards that is the wrong thing to do all you have to do is go to fiverr Post a job on there and you'll get someone to design your business cards for you. They might charge you 20, 30, sometimes even $5 to do these business cards. But it's better that you let them do that and you utilize your time to do whatever it is that you are best at. Let someone else design the business cards or design the letterhead or do your logo or do whatever else for you and you focus on what you are the expert at. Number six. Put the day's three most important tasks on a post-it note. Now, after you've organized your work for the day, write the three most important tasks on a post-it note that you keep readily in sight as an extra bit of motivation. Know that you must get these three tasks done no matter what comes up. We should all come up with at least three things that we need to make sure that we get done every single day. I can promise you this. If you do this, you will see a dramatic a dramatic increase in your productivity. So write down the three things that you must get done for that day. Make sure, you know what? Do multiple post-it notes. Post them all over the place and commit to yourself that you're gonna at least get these three things done. If you don't get nothing else done for the day, you're gonna at least get these three things done. Number seven, restrict access to distractions on your phone and computer. Now, put your phone on do not disturb mode when working intensely so that no call or text can tempt you to pick up the phone and begin a conversation. There's also an app called Self-Control that can temporarily block access to the internet for a set period of time because you know what always happens. That call comes in, we get distracted, then all of a sudden the hours pass and we're still yapping away on the phone to our friend that's yapping about nothing, all right? Number eight. Use rescue time to see exactly how you spend your time. Now, rescue time tracks how much time you spend on certain websites, apps, and work. You can check your progress daily, and each week you'll get a report breaking down this data in charts. You'll also get a productivity score that you can work on improving. Trust me, I'm about to download that app right now. Number nine, show up to the office earlier than anyone else. Get to the office an hour and a half before everyone else. You may not like it, but you will get done more in that hour and a half than the rest of the day. Now, the rest of the day, you're going to see is nothing but distraction after distraction after distraction. Every time I've done this, when I used to go into my office, I would get so much more work done because there's no one there to distract you. When you're in the office, people are going to come into your office or come by your desk or your cubicle and just talk to you about any and every single thing. What was on TV last night, what they ate for dinner, what they're going to eat for lunch. When you're there by yourself, you are completely undistracted and trust me, you'll get more work done. And number 10, 
Use the app Pocket to set aside interesting things to read and watch later. Now, Pocket allows you to store articles and videos that catch your interest throughout your day. Pocket downloads them onto your wireless device so that you can revisit them even if you don't have access to the internet. I use Pocket all the time, all right? I use Pocket all the time. What it is great for is that you could save, if you on the internet and you run across something, you can save that article and you don't have to feel that you gotta read that article right then and there. You can go back and look at it when you've set a designated time to go on the internet and do whatever research that you need to do. Number 11, use the two minute rule. When a task arises that you know you can complete in two minutes or less, do it immediately. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. Want to remind you, if you want to go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. You can also find me in iTunes under the podcast section. Just do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour, all right? Share this with three friends. Now, I know you got three friends that could have benefited from what we talked about today. Make sure you share this with them. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, and the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, productivity growth is the only possible way to achieve prosperity. And that's from Mario Draghi. Thank you much. And until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.